0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Here we are on another Monday with another serious tragedy upon our nation. Um, you know, it was, it was almost surreal waking up and, well, somewhere in the middle of the night, I got a, you know, my phone woke me up with a, a buzz and I looked and it said something about single shooter down in Las Vegas. And I went, you know, like knucklehead must have been, you know, like, you know, death by cop or something like that two hours later I woke up the count was already at 20 and I was like what and now we're at 58 I think 58 I mean (laughs) it's
2: it's hard to even know what to say
1: exactly I mean the only thing I know is, is get your stuff in order because Armageddon's coming you know it's it's uh it's very, very sad that the the world that we live in, the divisive world that we live in, and I don't even know what this guy's motive was because the coward shot himself in the head when the cops broke down the door or blew blew down the door. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it, it, something has to seriously change, and, and we need to start caring about each other. And we're not Republicans. We're not Democrats. We're human beings. We're Americans. And, you know... The people that we reach out to are the ones that are either in active addiction or recovery. And nobody that I have seen over the past, since November 8th or November 6th or whatever the hell it was, um, has looked at somebody down on their luck and said, well, that addict's a Republican or that addict's a Democrat. That addict needs help. So why don't we wipe out all of this crap with what... um, Voting terminology or what voting class you adhere to, and, and it's not caring about people like we used to. I mean, like you like you said before, we went on the air. We're getting back to the '60s. Only um, well,
2: like nobody was blowing
1: people up in the '60s. That's the difference. Because they didn't have the technology. I mean, people were people were very divisive then um, because of a a war. True, but um, you didn't
2: see the mass shootings like we have now.
1: No, it's so sad. I mean, that
2: 200 and something people were shot? Like, or was it more than that? I don't even know what the final count is. I don't count know. The
1: is. count's up to like 400 or something injured. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. It's you unbelievable.
2: Know, How can one person do that much damage? They said that he was shooting you know, for about 15 minutes.
1: And you know, the sad thing is, is that there's a nut out there right now that's going to prove that they can do greater damage. Look at the idiot... Uh, for the Pulse nightclub a couple of years ago killed 49 this guy just trumped that
2: yeah he's he's you the number I mean? one right now
1: yeah and you know I don't necessarily know if that's a list that you want to be the top one on but um, I don't know and then to hear that Tom Petty was found unresponsive and ultimately I guess from reports he's no longer with us you know, not that not that, that is a less of a tragedy as what happened in Las Vegas, but, I mean, it kind of dwarfs.
2: Yeah, it really kind of does because, you know, you know, so many people, so many innocent, healthy people who were just enjoying a concert, just blown away.
1: Minding their own business, enjoying whatever it was that was, you know, whoever it was that was performing Jason on the stage. Aldine, yeah, I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, is I had... Uh, I I brought the, the the kids to um whatever, i Golden Corral last night and there was a country music playing on and and Brendan said uh is that Jason Aldean? And Brianna <laughs> said no 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 that's um Luke Oh, Bryant. Luke Bryant. And that's the first time I ever heard those two names. I woke up and I heard an- that name again. Wow. Yeah. So um I mean, because I don't listen to country music. Well, you don't. So
2: I, I was going to say you don't know your country music.
1: No, no, I, I absolutely don't. Not, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with it. Not that I, you know, look funny at anybody who listens to it. But I wouldn't know one from the other. And you know, the sad thing is, 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 um, here we are again, and we're worried about what we call ourselves and we're worried about i mean last week we're talking about well last week we're talking about you know addicts or sudsy or whatever you (laughs) want to call it and the week prior we were
2: um, in a hurricane
1: in a hurricane and you know we were bashing the nfl for not standing not kneeling uh, or kneeling not standing you know uh, we got to get out of this crap. We we just got to walk away from all of the hate. And granted, things like this are still going to happen because. There is hate and there always will be hate in the world, but we don't need to embrace it and, and and feed the flames. And I think that's kind of what we do as a general public when we are as divisive as turning on the TV and seeing just chaos.
2: Yeah, terrible. You know? and, well, and You know, and I think a lot of this hate comes straight from the ego. You know, it's ego-driven. Oh, yeah. And... If people could put aside their egos for the greater good, which I know will never happen, but no, if they could, absolutely not. if they could, the world would be a better place. Yeah, and yeah. maybe we, you know, maybe we wouldn't have so many people who were sick and suffering like we see now all the time.
1: Well, I was in the Marine Corps between 1982 and 1986. We were at war um, because, you know, that that's when uh, they blew up the barracks, and that was actually the first, the first terrorist attack against mm-hmm. Americans, not on American soil. But other than that, the world that we lived in was a, was a great place. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the MTV generation.
2: Yeah, it was safe. And People it, had a lot of stuff. Right. Everybody was yeah. happy.
1: You could send your kid to the store to go get <laughs> milk, or you could send your kid down, down the street to go get sugar off of Mrs. Jones, and you didn't have to worry about them not coming back. And the world we live in today is just—I don't know—it's so chaotic. And and I feel for um, kids that have to grow up in it. And I feel for the people that are out there that are sick and suffering and um, feeding into a lot of this. I saw—I watched this video today about this gentleman. It was a 2015. It was on um, YouTube. And he was talking about this doctor who did a, a, um, a scientific study with rats, took a, took a cage, put rats in it, put heroin and cocaine in one water bottle with water, diluted with water, and water in the other bottle. Which water bottle do you think they went to?
2: Of course they went to the heroin and cocaine because there was only one rat, right? There was only one rat. Right. So then... The
1: doctor built this big rat city thing, right? Put many rats in there so they could socialize. They could, um, you know, act out sexually with each other. They could do all of the things that a common community environment does. And they put the bottle of heroin and cocaine and the bottle of water. Not one rat went back to the bottle with heroin and cocaine in it. Why is because they were content with everything they were getting from that community.
2: Because there was a social structure in place, because there was caring and interesting stuff to do and all of the things that, you know, when you're isolating yourself, or I think honestly in society today, isolating is just the norm. You know, everybody's, including me, stuck to their devices all the time.
1: And and the you know one of the things that the guy said was is that what happens with with addicts or alcoholics or people who act out like that is the 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 uh, the uncomfortability of the of the environment that they're in. Right. So of it's course they of don't want to be who they are. They don't want to feel how they are. So they self-medicate.
2: And then it just feeds on itself and gets worse and worse. Yeah. And 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 he also said you know. Um, your grandmother goes into the hospital. She breaks
1: her hip. Your mother, your grandmother breaks her hip. And, of course, they're giving her pure morphine. Right, opioids. Right? Mm-hmm. They're giving her opioids. Whereas people people on the street, heroin, it's the, same, it's it's the same, same thing, pretty much breakdown, chemical breakdown. Your mother doesn't come out of there. Your grandmother doesn't come out of there a raging addict.
2: Well, she could, but most of the time they don't. Well, right. Well, the thing is, is that
1: I guess what I'm getting at is that the stimulus of the situation, if their world is content, if there are people coming, if there are people caring, if there are people, they are medicating just for the pain. If they're alone and they're woe is me and this and that and the other thing, they're medicating to get out of their world. Right. So that's what the difference is right there. Um, I don't necessarily know if kids today are doing that to get out of their own situation or their own world, because a lot of the kids that are addicted today come from pretty affluent, well-to-do families. I think what it is, is society um, accepts that behavior a little bit more. Granted, we look down our nose at the addict, but on on an adolescent level, it's kind of accepted.
2: Oh, it's it's more than accepted. It's expected. You know, yeah. you 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 live to get high because it's cool. Yeah. And when I was growing up, and I'm a little older than you, it was cool, but not like it is now. You know, you kind of had to hide it, and you kind of couldn't do it every day, and you certainly couldn't do it at school.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm only a few years behind you, and and it was it was. Um, it was readily accepted at school. I so mean, we it wasn't were pretty expected. Much marijuana it, yeah. and beer, and that was Well, it. That's, what, that's what I mean. Marijuana, beer, um, you know, quaaludes or something. We didn't you know. even
2: have that. I mean, if you could steal some, you know, a real bottle out of your dad's liquor cabinet, you were the, you know, you were the cool kid for the <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to. You know, we'll never
1: ever get to the, you know, the. Uh, what was the commercial? How many licks does it take to get to the middle of uh, a yeah, uh, one, two, yeah. three, <laughs> three? Yeah. Yeah. Well that we'll never get that answer. Why?
2: But there are so many more now, and I think that's that's a real scary sign. I'm mm-hmm. not sure a sign of what, but the fact that there are so many more people becoming addicted, becoming homeless, becoming hopeless, really.
1: Right. And the sad reality is is like you said, it's it's almost expected. You know you're you're lame if you don't if you don't jump in the car with me. Definitely not. You know they
2: they laugh at the kids that go to religious schools Mm -hmm. that you know really take it seriously and don't do it. They're looked down on.
1: Yeah, and you got to give those kids credit because
2: a lot of them make it through. Yeah,
1: and And do okay. You know they do okay, and they're the ones that are trying to help the individuals along the way. um, You know that have fallen. I don't know. You know it's it's tough to. Have some kind of focus, or embrace what's going on, or try to even, you know, toe a mark. I'm sure, and I'm sure by the second segment, my my mind will be free. But I'm still embracing that chaos yeah. that that people are living there, are families out there that, you know, uh-huh. uh, I don't know. This world is just nuts.
2: Well, you see a lot of stories, and here too of parents who are passed out in the front seat of the car with Mm -hmm. kids in the back. Or I heard a story here about someone who was getting FEMA money for hurricane damage, and apparently she and her boyfriend started a bath, got high, passed out, and the bath started running over. So the hotel manager was contacted, went up and found a kid, a little one, like three years old, awake by himself, and the parents were passed out. They didn't drown? No. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I'm I sure there they, was some yeah. damage
1: to the hotel. Yeah.
2: No, the parents were taken to jail, and the kid was sent to Taking a relative. Yeah, yeah. But that happens all the time, all the time. And it, it's. I heard another story that was even worse. Uh, they're, they're doing a lot of stories on TV now about the children of, of people who are, who are addicted. Mm-hmm. And there are hospitals where I think one in eight babies are born already addicted to opioids and there was a I, I story I think that number
1: I think that number might have been just as high 20 years ago but I don't know I don't they necessarily know if, it, if they vocalized it you know what well, I mean
2: Well this one particular case the dad came in and rubbed opioids on the baby's gums so they wouldn't so that the baby wouldn't go into withdrawal and they wouldn't get in trouble Oh oh they snu- oh he snuck in yes. yeah yes and I wonder how many times that happens. Well, you know
1: something? I don't know if that wasn't treatment many, many years ago to get the baby through Oh yeah. Teething yeah. and
2: all of that. I can remember hearing about bourbon and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, right. Well that was, Rub that the was baby you, uh, with
2: bourbon, please.
1: When, when when the baby was uh, what do you call it when they're teething. breaking teeth? Teething, yeah. Yeah, to rub bourbon on their on their gums. At least yeah, we know they, better
2: than know. that now. But yeah, that was uh, pretty much the well, accepted way. Well, I don't way. necessarily
1: know if we know better than that now. I mean, as a society, look what we're dealing with. You know, we're, we're just dealing with a different set of isms and a different set of chaos. I don't necessarily know if we've learned from our mistakes because we may not repeat the exact same mistake, but this morning is living proof that we haven't learned anything as a society. No,
2: nothing at all. And it's very sad. I I honestly think we may be getting worse, and I don't know why. I ask myself that a lot. What happened to make people like this? What happened that so many people can't stand their lives to the point that they have to be high all the time to stay alive? What happened? Where did we go wrong? Was it becoming a mechanized society? I don't know if... You know, I, when, when I, whenever
1: I hear that word, where did we go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Where did the system go wrong or whatever? Um, I think it's better to say, where did we not go right?
2: Because we take on
1: responsibility when we say, where, what, where did True. I go wrong? I had nothing to do with that nut job in, in the Mandalay Bay. So where did we go wrong? I'm not part of that, so I didn't go wrong. But as a society, where did we not go right? Where, where are we not going right? I know exactly where we're not going right. You wake up, you look at the TV, you look at the newspaper, you look at here, you look yeah, at that.
2: everything's bad, and, bad, bad. And
1: everybody, if you and I were different or different voting preferences, we wouldn't be speaking right now. Yeah, true. We used to be. <laughs> We used to be, and we're not anymore because of the divisiveness that I saw, and I don't even want to get into all of that garbage, but...
2: Um, well, there, there's a lot of um, bashing of people who don't believe the way you do. You know, if, if you don't believe like I believe, you're wrong and you're, wrong and you're yeah. stupid. Yeah, and, and, and I, that's I just can't neighbors. have anything have been, to do with you. Neighbors have
1: been friends for years, and all of a sudden, yeah. whatever you voted this last seven, eight months ago, um, you're dead to me. And where are we going to be in 3 years? Yeah. You know, it's a
2: frightening thought because we're not getting better.
1: No, we're absolutely not getting better. Even
2: with even with all of the attention that's being brought, you know, to through the media, but but they play a big game of ain't it awful. And I don't see any discussion about how to make it better.
1: I think it, I think they could very easily turn it around um, and Bring everyone together instead of hanging on everyone's words and saying, "Look at look at what they're doing." Well, they kind not, of whip you know. people
2: into a frenzy about stuff and twist things around. Yeah, and it's yeah. you know on both sides, and and it's not good. It's not helping. No, it's not. And here we are.
1: Yeah. So, if you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send us an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. That's Ray at org. We will send you an informational packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. I know that there's a great recovery community out there, and I know that if we put our minds together, we could come up with some kind of a solution. If we took everyone that was in recovery, and that way everyone that is positively in recovery, um... We could come up with a great solution because look what we did to ourselves in a negative way.
2: Right. 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 And look how, and, it, look what happened. Right. Look at the miracle that occurred.
1: So it's just a thought. And uh, we will be back on the other side of the commercials. Your life,
3: your health
1: Welcome! Whoa, that that cut off real quick. Hey, welcome, welcome <laughs> back. Um, the first segment we were t- I was a little bit spaced out with um, all of the happenings of the world, but uh, this segment segment I'd like to pick up where we left off on a couple of other topics uh, last week or the f- a few weeks ago about um, recovery in a box. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas recovery laid out the way it was for me isn't necessarily going to work the way it's laid out for someone else. And, you know, it's great when you go into a program and they have a tunnel or a channel that they're trying to send you down to give you a basic message. But if you're in you if you're in early recovery with 33 people like I was, I was, I was at a detox facility. It was, it was detox at the time. It was 28 to 31 days. Now it's, I don't know what it is. It's changed. It's a week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a week. They spin you and they send you. But um, I have to say that Thirty-three people were listening to thirty-three different messages from the same individual. Granted, it was all generalized, like when you're sitting in uh, in church in a church environment, or when you're listening to a speaker or anything like that. You and I could be sitting in the same word in the same room, hearing the same words, but getting a different message. So, what do we do with the people who keep quote-unquote falling through the cracks? It's not because they are not embracing. The message, it's maybe they're just not understanding it in the way that it should be spoken to them. When I was a kid in high school, I went to, I didn't go to English class and I didn't go to math class because sitting in an English and a math environment for me, that sterile environment, didn't work. I had to go to a resource room where we did did lessons on the board, we did lessons on from the book in a small two or three people. So that worked for me. That got me A's and B's through D's and F's when I was sitting in a big class environment. Uh, Curry College up in Massachusetts has a program for lack of a better word, slow learners. And it's built specifically for individuals, not for classes, for individuals. So how do we get, recovery or the message of recovery to everyone that is sitting there to be able to understand it when there are different i don't want to say levels but there are different pockets of understanding within that room
2: well perception maybe but i think yeah. part of it too is maybe you know that good old willingness and readiness to accept the message You know, I think um, I keep hearing that nobody's going to get better unless they really want it. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, no matter how, you know, you can be nasty, you can be nice, you can try to bribe. I've done all those things. They don't work until the individual is ready to stop.
1: But you still understand the message because because of the many times that I chose to go back out. I heard the message, and I knew what it was, because it was spoken to me, and I understood it. What about, what I'm saying is is the individual who, after ten minutes of listening to someone,
0: races away,
1: a, yeah, you yep. know, so I knew. I knew exactly what they were saying. Fortunately enough, i was I, I knew what they were saying. I chose not to use it. That's different. when you take when you take individuals like the rats, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make that a community environment instead of a sterile um, cone?
2: Well, it, you know, it's almost the same way with families. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you are a family member in distress and you go to a twelve step group, a lot of people come in once, maybe twice, and then we never see them again. Right. And a lot of times they come in when there is a crisis in their, you know, with their family member, but. The vast majority choose not to stay. And I don't know if it's because the message, it almost sounds like, well, this is going to be really hard.
1: It may be foreign to them, too.
2: Oh, very foreign. You know, if you haven't been around it, the language, Mm -hmm. you know, the the 12 steps, the the serenity prayer, all of those things can seem foreign. Although we do try very hard not to, you know, make that a a total focus of, of the meeting, because the important thing is for people in our group to be able to talk and to be able to get their feelings out. We generally right. choose a topic and discuss that, you know, and, and you know, we're supposed to focus on ourselves. But I, I've been really, you know, I've, I've met people in one meeting and suggested they go to another, you know, go to more than one. Here's mm-hmm. some that I like. And they'll show up for a little bit and then they just disappear. and I. Yeah. It's it's sad to me because there there is a lot of community, and I think community is the important thing. Well,
1: you know, I, you know, not only not only that, like they don't come back, and and it's that you know, a lot of people may still even on the family side have a fear of a commitment because now they're committing yeah. to their family being in dysfunction. Now they're committing to um, being
2: well, admitting that there's a problem. Right. Yeah you know yeah. it's not just a crisis today it's forever right. and how are you going to learn to live with that and it's not easy and the only way i found to do it is to is to be a part of that community where people understand what, what I'm feeling, why I'm acting the way I am. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense somebody looking go, oh, Well, you know, just throw the addict out.
1: But, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, on the other side of the fence where, where I live, on the other side of the fence, um, there are more people than not willing to vocalize that they're an addict or an alcoholic. Whereas a family member Won't embrace their, you know what I mean? Like they well,
2: it's because of the stigma. You know, it's there's a lot of shame. I must have done something wrong, otherwise this wouldn't be happening. It must be my fault, and a lot of us do feel that way, especially when when we are alone, living with it, and trying to deal with it. Right. But there there are so many more of us now living with it and trying to deal with it that I'm hoping. That more and more people will be become more vocal about it and say there is no shame in being the mother of an addict or the spouse of an addict. There is no shame there. This is a person who is ill. No, and and you know the the
1: um, what an addict does uh, is no direct has no direct relationship on how you brought them up. You know that's the, that's that's their own personal disease, allowing them. The dysfunction to be able to steal, to be able to True.
2: And they'll steal from their family first because they know they're probably less likely lie to get in and trouble. cheat
1: and steal to their family in a minute.
2: Yeah. Because the family's gonna be gentler yeah. than a stranger. Right. And then yeah. and then you're outraged and and can't believe that this has happened you know, how can this person do this to me? How can someone I love treat me this way? Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, I have learned over the years that it's just all part of the disease. So you sleep with your purse under your pillow, you put a padlock on your bedroom door, anything of values in a safe, and right. that's the way it goes. So let me let me ask you, I, I have two things
1: written down, and I know I said these time in and time out. Uh, two famous quotes that that all addicts say, it'll never happen to me, and I'm not hurting anyone but myself. What is the flip side of that?
2: First of all, it'll never happen to me. Uh-huh. Second of all, I have to do everything I can to save this person. And what I do to save this person may be exactly what they don't need. And that's what we have to worry about. So for those of you that
1: <laughs> I guess you're hearing that the dog isn't agreeing with what it is that Ellen just said, um, I'm babysitting a dog and I guess I guess it has separation anxiety. So maybe that'll be another show. We can do canine separation anxiety or a person um, separation yeah. anxiety. That may be a yeah. lot, of, um, you know, and, a lot and, of the problem. You know, that you're right. You're right. And I think maybe uh, and I'm just only making an assumption here um do you think that you felt a little bit of that because your addict... And I'm sure my family did. I went and did what I wanted to do, and I didn't care who I hurt, and I didn't care what the outcome was, and I just didn't care. And do you think that I don't want to say separation? But do you think that the family members are a little anxious that what is coming next? definitely. Yes. Like you said, oh, you sleep with definitely. one eye open, waiting yeah, for a knock on the door. you hide all your
2: valuables. you uh-huh. You know, you wait for the phone call. It's you know, it's either they're in jail or they're in the hospital or worse than that, they're dead. You're always, you know, you're always on edge. And I, I don't know that that will ever go away recovery or not.
1: Helen's going to go out and appease the uh, appease the little pooch, and I'm just going to sit here and ramble a little bit. Um, the show has been a little bit chaotic. But, uh, you know, I'm just grateful today that I have the awarenesses um, of what I have, and I think what happened was is that my family, the things that I did to my family and the things that I brought home to my family's door, I can look at today and I can be somewhat grateful that they still accepted me through all of that. I know that there's families out there that have shunned or turned their back on their addict and, you know, the addict gets into recovery, and we've spoken to a couple on the show that that, that, that his children or their children or family members won't ever speak to yeah, him again, and they're like 27, 28 years clean, and the, and the relationship is destroyed. And sadly, it's not because of um, what the addict did per se. It's because the people that loved the addict weren't able to filter that it was an ism or a symptom of the disease and not the morality of what that individual exactly. was doing. Exactly. You know,
2: I always knew that somewhere my daughter was still in there. And, you know, one of the things we say is, hate the disease, but love the person. You can still love the person because they can't help themselves. They really can't help themselves once the disease takes over, I think. I got to tell you, though, that, that I had an
1: awareness of everything that I was doing.
2: But it didn't stop you.
1: It, one, it didn't stop me. Two, I didn't care. I don't necessarily know if I couldn't stop myself because ultimately I did.
2: Well, but one of the um, hallmarks is that the complete selfishness, the total self-absorption. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, to me, there would have been nothing that could have ever have separated me from my children. Not one single thing I would have clawed through the earth to get to them if I needed to. And, and you have mothers who whose disease is so severe that it keeps them away from, you know they they do enough that their children right. are taken away i cannot even begin to imagine that that's how strong this disease is it's stronger than a mother's love
1: it will turn everyone you know it wants everyone dead and it, it does. wants everyone and, you know and, and, and it
2: it wants everyone unhappy and yeah. for something to be stronger than that it's pretty powerful and that's what i finally came to the conclusion of it's not something for me. To fight for that individual.
1: Yeah, and and you know the the thing about it is is that you too, given the circumstances of a mother who has chosen addiction, I don't want to say chosen addiction over her children. Granted, the addict chooses um, the chase versus the family at that point, but nobody. That is out there running around. That has lost their family. Has lost their loved ones. Willfully made that choice. No, I mean, and I, th- I
2: think a lot of times there's a lot of shame involved in the activities. You know, right. I've, I've. I mean, you know, my daughter has told me how terrible she felt doing all those things, but that didn't stop her. Because oh yeah, because she had the, the, you know, the need was more powerful, much right. She still had
1: a conscience, and yeah, that's exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, so know. the the human being is in there. But the disease has taken right. over.
1: So right? how do you think that human being feels going on that ride saying, like, how do I break out of this this evil devil that I is dead? You know, it's, it's crazy, you know. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, they say divine intervention or, you know, whatever it is that, that happens. I think I actually just hit, like I said before, a saturation point where... My inner human said, "Enough's enough. I got to get out of here. I got to get. I got to find a way out." And I started burrowing out, even while I was still doing. Because that's when I started telling on myself. That's when I started showing up to functions, a mess where I would have intentionally (laughs) stayed away. I I started giving myself up. Yeah, and when they suggested maybe you should go to treatment, it was like, mm, okay, my disease didn't want me there. Right, it wanted me out. So, so how how does that good over evil, um, you know what I mean? So I think the human soul or the human aspect of the disease becomes prevalent in a lot of people when it when they get to a, their saturation point, some people want to call it a bottom, some people want to call it a rock bottom, some, whatever you want to call it. Um, saturation point works for me because I got to a point where I could do no more, but I still had to function the way that I had to function because my body needed it. Right. Um, but my, my my spirit maybe kind of said, we got to get out of here.
2: And I, I think you need to know that you're still loved that there you know there is going to be support for you mm-hmm. once you you know put this behind you so to speak and i mean i know you don't ever completely put it behind you but you know you get better you stop you start doing the things that normal human beings do you know when, I, think I, not I think i put that individual behind me
1: i think i've put him behind me because because there's no need to keep embracing who i was It it is very healthy to remember the feelings behind it, and I still feel that. I still feel bad when I think of what I did to my younger brothers and sisters. I still feel bad when when I do, but I don't embrace that individual because for an addict, it's so much easier to flip right back into that uncomfortable feeling of uncomfortability because it was there for so long.
2: Well, and you get I'm sure there's a what the heck. I might as well. Everything else is terrible. So why not just get high? Hey, right. I will not have to deal with it. You right. know, no matter what the consequence. Well, I guess that's in food the for moment. thought.
1: I guess that's food for thought and we will pick this conversation up on the other side of the break.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirits. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We got the
1: I want to touch back on uh, what we, we talked about one, um, at the top of the hour about uh, Las Vegas. A good friend of ours who's been on the show a few times, uh, David Essel, his book is Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will. He is offering free counseling to anyone in Las Vegas. Um, if you want to just call, if you want to just share with him, um, it says, please share this. People can PM me at or or email him at david at davidessel.com. David at davidessel.com. He, he did this uh, with Hurricane, like the people down on mm-hmm. the Keys, uh, Puerto Rico, Houston. Um, he's a very caring individual and he has a great positive message.
2: I was gonna say he he's he's got a very positive outlook and it, it's helpful sometimes to be around a person like that. And you know I I think that, you know, um, in times like this,
1: I remember when we were kids on, when Janelle was in school and something happened to one of the one of her classmates or one of our classmates mates they would come to school with in droves with like counselors, counselors and, yeah. and um, you know talk to the kids that wanted to talk and um, I think it's good that there are people out there that have the willingness to step up and embrace someone else's tragedy he right. doesn't have to do that he lives in Fort Myers he doesn't have to get involved with with somebody who
2: yeah and take on all that grief yeah but you know
1: I, he's, he's a he's a better man than me because I don't I mean I don't I'm not schooled to, to be able to do that anyway but like what do you say to somebody uh-huh. like that
2: there, there's, you know that's I, always the question when something bad happens yeah mm-hmm. what do you say to the people that are that love them that are left behind it's very very difficult right you know we see that a lot i'm in a lot of um online groups for mothers of addicts mm-hmm. and we lose kids well adults, but we lose our children every single day,
1: every single every hour. every
2: single day, somebody two, yeah. three, four moms are posting about, I lost my son, I lost my daughter. Yeah, And it's just, you know, what in the world do you say to somebody? And and, and you get, you get so um,
1: jaded, I think, when you, when you see that, because one, one, you don't know the individual, granted, you know, it, you, you have like a kindred spirit because you were an addict with them, but you get kind of jaded because it's happening Way, way, way too often,
2: well, I always think that could be me, any yeah. day, any day yeah. that could be
1: me, mm-hmm. and fortunately enough, you know, it wasn't my family, and it's and it's not yours today. and and I, I don't know. Like the world that we live in is I mean,
2: life is just so precious, you know? and mm-hmm. one minute you're just gone. you're just gone. and it's it's a it's very frightening to see that up close. Mm-hmm. I think. and and, as a, a parent, it's particularly difficult when you're watching somebody kill themselves mm-hmm. and you can do nothing about it. And the sad thing is, is, you know, you you look at
1: celebrities. I will talk about uh, Tom Petty, right? He, the, he passed away today as well. I guess something happened. He passed away today. His music will live forever. True. His flame will still burn. The vessel is gone, but the flame will still burn. Joe Smith...
2: Yeah, he's the just only gone.
1: flame that is being driven is by the
2: His 15, 16
1: people that love him. Yeah, you know, and and that's this sobering reality of of active addiction or active alcoholism or however it is that you you die try, you know whatever um before your time granted I, I guess in God's time it is your time but we as humans say he died before his time he was so young well you know I guess it was his time was her time um but Tom Petty's flame will still burn
2: true he, he had a major talent right couldn't be, could not be contained. Right. Uh, Prince died. Yeah, same his thing. records, was album sales,
1: or whatever you want to call them, CD sales, went through the roof. His flame still burns today. People still listen. I, you still hear, my address is 1999. Every time I look up over the door, <laughs> I, right, I think of that song. Um, so, his memories, his memory will always be alive. There are people out there who lose your average citizen
2: child and there's no one left to to remember them except their family And I mean think about your great-grandparents I didn't know mine I've heard a lot of stories about them but you know will they live on through me to my children no probably not no yeah yeah no they're you know they're gone and, you know, it's kind of sad because everybody's got some kind of unique quality mm-hmm. that makes them special. And, and you know, we, we we we're talking about um,
1: country music because it was a country music festival. Hank Williams, Jr. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't know anything about country music, but I do know Hank Williams, Jr. So his flame is <laughs> well, still. Well, he did do football, too, didn't he? <laughs> no, no. Hank Williams, not Hank Williams, Jr. Hank Williams, his, oh, his father. his father, yes. His father. Um, or was it your cheating heart or something like that? Yeah, I was think that one so. of the songs? Okay, that's probably the only one that I know, and, and I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'm so Lonesome wrong, I could die. I, that's well, a good okay. song. Well, you're from the woods in North Carolina, <laughs> but
2: um yeah, there was a lot of that being played when is, I grew up. What I'm saying is that
1: up. his flame is still burning. Yes, many years. I mean, he's been gone. Was he even alive when we were when born? we
2: were born? I don't. He must have been because I think Hank Williams Jr. is younger than me, but. Okay. All right. But not long. But so so anyway, like like my
1: point. W- what happens to Joe Jones when he goes? The only people his his remembrance is gone other than here lies Joe. After the people that love him. Yeah,
2: and the broken are, uh, hearts of his family, and that's it. And
1: that's the sad, sad tragedy. I mean, granted, it is very, very sad when we lose our children. It is very sad when we lose our, our friends and family from addiction. What happens when we go? Their memory is gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I have a, a, um, a very dear friend of mine. I, I choose to call him my brother. And his memory will always be alive in me. It's as far as it goes. It'll always be alive in his daughter. It'll always be alive in his friends. Once that generation is gone... Yeah, it's you gone. Know? So, but I, I, guess that's, I guess that's with everything, though. You know what I mean? Granted, people who lived their life to 106, their memory is still only as long as the people who knew them um so i'm not trying to slight people who have lost their children tragically through um addiction it just kind of saddens me when you keyhole it down that you know the flame has it's gone yeah gone
2: out and it's it's tragic yeah and we're we're living that tragedy way too much now i think Yeah. There are people that are taken before their time now. And I actually had uh, a sponsor tell me one time that God will take them when he sees that the suffering is too much and that it's not going to get better. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't like hearing that at all. Right. But, uh, you know, perhaps there are times when it is a mercy. I don't know. I mean, that's not for me to judge, obviously. But I just, you know, my heart goes out to all the mothers. That have lost their children today. It's just
1: yeah. yeah there's yeah. I
2: don't know that there's anything worse in human experience than losing a child, even when they're grown.
1: You know, I think I'd, I think I'd like to. I mean, we have a we have a website that I haven't really paid much attention to. It's miraclesandrecovery.org. org. I'd like to maybe see if we couldn't start building a you know remember the flame or the flame yeah. waves and, and and have people send pictures of people that they've lost.
2: A memorial, uh, it's yes.
1: It's from addiction, it's from whatever. If you want to immortalize your loved one, then maybe that's something that we should look into. And, and
2: well, I think that's that, a great idea. You
1: know, At least that way, um, we'll be able to at least identify a picture as Susie, as Joey, as yeah, Steve.
2: There is a memory here. Yeah. Uh-huh. There is a group that I was in that actually made a quilt with pictures, and it was quite large, of people who had, you know, people who had been lost to the disease of addiction, and took it to Washington for one of the marches that, that's been going on pretty much annually about opioid abuse and, and um, trying to get some awareness going. And I think, you know, that is finally starting to happen, but yeah, there, there's a very large quilt that was made about three years ago. Right, right. Uh, you know, and it's beautiful,
1: yeah, so um I'm leaning over into Ellen's mic because I guess i I lost mine. So ultimately, if you would like to embrace this project and if you have the willingness to be able to take it on or not take it on, but I mean, give me assistance with it, send me an email at ray at miraclesandrecovery dot org, and we can hopefully maybe, as a loving family, be able to embrace our loved one's memory. And, and, you know, we put a picture and maybe a little quote or something that we maybe would be special. able Something that's special. Something that we'd be able to smile when we saw it, shed a tear when we saw it, something that's special. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm going to see if I can't have the webmaster put up a page, and then ultimately maybe somebody can give me a little bit of good order direction on how to build it.
2: Building a website is never easy. However, I'm quite sure that there are a lot of people out there that would appreciate a gesture like that and, and we would really love to, love to have the pictures of your loved ones and love to have the quotes or the something that was special about them to kind of memorialize them in a way that they can they will also be together so that we'll see that this is this is what's happening and there are, you know, they were loved. I no, think it's exactly. important to know that they were loved, because a lot of people I think find addicts to be unlovable, and that's not true at all. Again, the person is still there underneath. Yeah, you know, and, and the, it's important and the, to remember that.
1: And the thing about it is, is that you know, fortunately enough, I haven't, I, I haven't lost a brother or sister to addiction. I've lost hundreds of friends, and I would love to be able to put put their pictures up there just so like you say with a you know i can i can have a special memory every time i look at a friend of mine and oh remember when we did that remember when we did this and you know the flame isn't gone no. at that point
2: well there, you know there was um, a project about a year ago called 144 a day and every day i got an email about one person who had had been lost to the disease and something special about that person mm-hmm. and you know it's so sad to see it but you know at least they're being remembered now, what,
1: was it? what was that
2: again 144 a day because 144 officially 144 people a day are dying of addiction in this right. country in the United States alone you know if you if you did it for around the world I think it would be a lot bigger I think it's actually bigger in the United States a lot of times I don't think it's actually attributed a to lot, it there's
1: a lot of deaths that, yeah yeah
2: But the official number from the Centers for Disease Control is 144 people a day are dying. And that was a statistic from 2015, so we know it's going to be bigger. But anyway, the idea was let's remember these people in a nice way. And it was nice. They had it on Facebook, too.
1: Yeah, and and I'd like to maybe look into doing something like that just... You know, not to copy someone, but why reinvent the wheel? Right. You know, if there's a, if there's a medium out there to be able to keep that plane going.
2: Yeah, let's memorialize our your loved ones.
1: Probably be, you know, part of it. And I, like I said, I'm going to tomorrow see if the webmaster can't build a page and send me suggestions on what we call it. Go to uh, Facebook, go to the Miracles and Recovery Facebook page, and send your suggestions. Go to uh, send an email to ray at miraclesandrecovery dot org, and um, hopefully this is something that yeah. Let
2: us can, know. Right. Let us Cause know. Because we would love to start this project. I think that it would be special. And we are running out of time for the show tonight.
4: So if you want to say goodnight, Alan, please, by all means, and I don't know if I can because they told me my mic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Please tune in next week. We'll be here.